My name's Harley Rathel, uh, one of the pastors on staff here at Point, and just glad to have this time with you guys this morning uh, to talk about Jesus. That's why we're here together this morning, to talk about Jesus. And the way I wanted us to start this morning was by asking you a question. The question I want to ask you is, have you ever been surprised by the power of something? You know what I'm talking about, something where you're like, I really didn't think that was powerful, but then I realized, yeah, that really was powerful. Anybody had an experience like that before? Essentially, that's what we're talking about here, but I want to give you a little story to illustrate what I'm talking about here. So uh, a couple of years ago, we were with our church mission team in Mexico, and we were in, down in the Mayan zone of Mexico, uh, working with some, some missionaries that we support there. By the way, I'll give you a little plug. We're going to be going back there uh, spring break time. So if anybody's interested in going with us to Mexico, we're going to be taking a mission trip there in spring break. So we were down there on one of these trips. And when we're down there, we have this great little place we stay. And we've got this family that comes and cooks for us typically. And they just do a great job of just serving us and, and loving on us and... and uh, giving us the food that we need while we're there. So anyway, we're there, and one of the cook's names is Domingo. He's a really nice guy, uh, but he has this habanero sauce that he makes. And if you know what a habanero is, it's a hot, hot, hot pepper, right? And he makes this sauce that's usually pretty watery that he would put on the table every meal, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So it's there on the, meal, on, on the table. So you got like, you know, your breakfast, you got a tortilla, you can put it on there with your eggs and chorizo or whatever else you're eating. And it's always there. Well, this one day, he comes with something special, right? He's got his soup that he's cooking us. It was lunch or dinner, I can't remember. But he brings this soup along and he's got the soup load out, really nice soup. We all have these huge bowls of soup that he's poured out for us, and he's got all these little garnishes that we're putting on it. So we're putting on, you know, some onions, some cilantro, but he has this little, instead of the bowl of habaneros, he has this like little container with this habanero paste. I, uh, that's my best way to describe it. I'm like, oh, okay, this is, the, this is the hot sauce. Cool, that's great. So, you know, I shove my spoon in there, and I pull out a spoonful of this stuff, and I go to put it in my bowl of soup, and I look at Domingo's face, and he's like... You know, like, and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't a good idea. Like, maybe I'm about to do something bad. So, I, you know, I, I tap a little bit off my spoon. I put about two-thirds of a spoon. I'm like, I'm good, I'm good, I got this. You know, I like hot food. So I, I put it into my soup, and I, I start stirring it in. By this point, everybody on our team is, like, watching me, right? They're like, something the big's about to happen. So I stir it in and stir it in. I take my time because I'm like, i got to water this down as much as possible if it really is this hot. And I take a couple of bo- bo- uh, you know, mouthfuls of this soup, and man, the burn is intense. Like, I mean, my whole throat's on fire, I'm starting to sweat profusely, everybody's laughing at me, I'm asking for water, you know. It was a pretty funny moment, and I was completely blown away by the power of this hot sauce. It wasn't like the normal ham- habanero, this was like amplified to the power of 10. Like, this was some powerful stuff, I was blown away by the power of that. And I think that's an appropriate thought to think this, this morning as we come to talking about Christmas, because oftentimes when we come to Christmas, we forget the power of the story behind all of this stuff that we celebrate. We forget the fact that that little baby in a manger was incredibly powerful. 
He was actually the son of God, which meant he was more powerful than any other being. And when we see that little baby in the nativity scenes as we drive down the road and people have it set out or the little uh, you know, ornaments that people set out of the nativity scene, that's not the first thing that goes through our head. The fact that that baby is incredibly, incredibly powerful. So we're going through this series. We're talking about this indescribable gift, the gift of Jesus. And as we're talking about this, we've been based out of a scripture in Isaiah 9. And the reason we're going to this scripture and, and having this whole conversation is because in the middle of this Christmas season, it's easy for our hearts to be distracted from the most important thing in this season. I don't know about you, but I always call this time of year the silly season. It's just a busy time of year. We have a lot of stuff going on. You've got, you know, Christmas parties to go to, Christmas presents to buy, wrap, and, and to give away. You've got Christmas presents to open, hopefully. Uh, you've got food that you've got to prepare, food that you've got to eat and overeat. Uh, you've got all these things going on in the Christmas seasons. You've got travel, uh, family. You've got uh, trying to get the house together, decorations, putting up lights, like all this stuff that goes on in this season. And in the midst of that, it's easy for us to forget the main reason that we celebrate. This indescribable gift. And so that's why we're having this series. That's why we're having this conversation. And where our key verse is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I know I said Isaiah. That's just the way I say it instead of Isaiah. So let's turn there. Isaiah 9. Sorry, I got distracted by that. Isaiah 9, verse 6 is where we're going to be parked. And this scripture is an interesting one because... It was written 700 years. Nick talked about this last week. 700 years before Jesus even shows up. This is pretty incredible because this scripture talks specifically about Jesus, and yet it was 700 years before he's even on the scene. And so this is our key verse, Isaiah 9, verse 6, and I'll read it for us. For a child will be born to us. It's talking about Jesus. A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. This is a beautiful scripture that describes these four attributes of Christ. And so what we said was, hey, let's take this scripture and let's spend some time looking at each of these four attributes of Christ, you know, week by week and really delving into who is this baby in this manger that we celebrate and ask this question. And I have an interesting one because, like I said, you don't typically look at the nativity and think, wow, that's a powerful baby. Like, that's not what you think about. But that's exactly who Jesus is. We see that Jesus is incredibly powerful. We talked last week about the fact that he's a wonderful counselor and and that he's able to handle any worry or concern. He's able to give us all wisdom. In fact, Jesus is the essence of wisdom. And as today, as we go on to talking about the fact that he's the mighty God, my hope is that we can get our heads around what that fully means. This word mighty in the scripture in Isaiah 9, if you were to look back into what that word means, if you take it in its original context, there's a whole bunch of synonyms that you can use with it. Manly is one, vigorous, hero, champion. Uh, Here's some more strong energy, ability, chief, military leader, warrior. That's kind of like, you know, like good stuff, right? That's who Jesus is. This scripture is articulating one of the, character, one of the characteristics of, of Jesus, and he is the mighty God, and that means that he is vigorous. He's a hero. He's the champion. And what we need to know is that Jesus is the mighty God, meaning that he is all-powerful. That's your first fill-in-the-blank here this morning. Jesus is the mighty God, meaning that he is all-powerful. 
So some of you may be thinking, that sounds really nice, Harley, but how do we know that Jesus is powerful? Like, you know, you're talking about this power of Jesus. I don't know if I, I fully believe that or I don't know if that's fully where I sit with this whole thing. Well, it's a good question, and it's one that I actually want to explore for the next few minutes, because what I'd like to do is ask this question, how do we see that Jesus is powerful, and kind of look at it through the lens of all of history and all of the scriptures, okay? So say, how do we see Christ's power displayed throughout all of history? And we see it in multiple ways. The first way that we see it, very interestingly, is in before he's even born. So the first one that we're going to put on the screen is pre-birth. We see Christ's power displayed before he's born. Now, some of you are like, how does that work, you know? Well, as a Christian, what we believe the Bible teaches is that Jesus has always existed. Even before he was in human form, he existed. Before he was incarnated, he existed. There's a couple of key scriptures that talk about that. John 1 is the first one that (laughs) we'll look at this morning. Excuse me. John 1, verse 1, and then on to verse 14. I'll put it on the screen for you guys. It says this, in the beginning was the Word. Now notice that when it says Word, it's capitalized with a W. That means it's talking specifically about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word took up, sorry, the Word became flesh and took up residence among us. It was what it goes on and says in verse 14. So this scripture is incredible scripture because what it's telling us is that Jesus is always, he's existed. He is God. Now I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I'm like, okay, Jesus is powerful, right? He is the mighty God. But if you go on, the, the scriptures even tell us more. If you go to Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, this is what it tells us. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth The visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. This scripture is telling us that everything that we see and even the things that we don't see were created by God and for God. And not specifically, it's talking specifically about Jesus here in this passage. So we see that Jesus is incredibly powerful even before he comes in human form right? Let's move on. The next way that we see that he's powerful is at his birth. When we go to his birth, we see that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he, you know, that we have the virgin birth. Now, those of you who have been around church a long time, you're like, oh yeah, yep, uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, virgin birth, got it, cool, that's great. Think about that. That's weird. That's crazy. Like to think about somebody you know, conceiving of a child, you know, and and a virgin, but like that is crazy. I mean, we're talking about a crazy big miracle. If that really did happen, that's an incredible display of Jesus' power, right? Listen to what Luke chapter 1 says. It's the dialogue between Mary and the angel when the angel comes and tells her what's about to happen. Mary asked the angel, this is Luke 1 verse 34, how can this be since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to to be born will be called the Son of God. Crazy, right? But the power of God is all over this story. I think we just, you know, pretty this up and get used to it. But that's incredible. 
We also see miracles at his birth. Think about all the things that happen when Jesus comes to be born. We have, you know, the angels appearing to the shepherds and the shepherds going. And then we have the wise men. We also see, uh, you know, Herod trying to take out Jesus and and him escaping to Egypt. We see all these incredible miracles happening at his birth. And those things continue on into his life. We continue to see his power next in his life. As Jesus lives a sinless life. I don't know about you, but I don't think you can live a sinless life without being incredibly powerful. Hopefully none of you think that you're able to live a sinless life. Jesus was able to do that. He was powerful. Not only that, we also see the miracles that he does. He does everything from changing water into wine through to raising dead people back to life. He is incredibly, incredibly powerful, and we see that all through his life. We also see it at his death. He has a will to die for all of mankind. That takes a lot of willpower to be like, yep, I'm going to take on the sins of the world. That would take a lot of power. We also see that he has an ability to handle separation from God the Father. He's, he's lived in all eternity in relationship with God, and then all of a sudden on the cross, he's separated by the sins that he's carrying for the weight of the world. He's separated from God the Father, and he cries out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was able to handle that separation, that, that whole tearing of that relationship that happened in that moment. That's an incredible display of his power. Then we see as he dies that the temple curtain is torn from top to bottom in the Jewish sanctuary. There was, a priest was only allowed to go in there after purifying himself once a year to go into there. And this temple curtain's torn from top to bottom, a huge, big, thick curtain. And it allows, it was to symbolize the fact that through his death, we were given access to God. Incredibly powerful, right? And then, I mean, I, I'll go on. The resurrection, right? We see Christ's power at the resurrection. We see that he's the mighty God at the resurrection. He's raised from the dead. I mean, I probably could stop there, right? That's incredibly powerful. We see, you know, the the angel come and the guards, these burly guards, they're all knocked out on the ground and the the stones rolled away. We go on to the post-resurrection. We see Jesus appear. There's all these miracles happening. He's appearing to some of them. He's walking through walls. I mean, all this crazy stuff going on. And then he ascends into heaven in front of them. That's pretty powerful. And his power continues to be displayed throughout church history. Just a few weeks later, Peter's walking into the temple. And this guy asks him for money and says, he says, well, actually, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus, get up. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the guy gets up and walks. And a whole bunch of people turn to Jesus that, that very morning. Like, that's an incredible display of Christ's power. And those sort of things have happened throughout church history. You can, you can hear stories from around the world of how Jesus is still acting and, and things are being done in the name of Jesus that are just miraculous because he is powerful. And we're going to see his power displayed when he comes again. He's promised that he's coming again. We've got prophecies in the scriptures that talk about this. You know, him coming on a white horse. We're going to see his power. Jesus is the mighty God. You've got to see that here this morning. But you've also got to know that there's a purpose for him being mighty. Some of you are probably sitting there saying, okay, so he's powerful, but how does this knowledge help us? Essentially, what we're asking is, Christ's powerful, so what? What does this mean? Well, the knowledge that Christ has been, is, and always will be powerful should have far-reaching implications for our lives. Because what it means is that his power has been at work, will be at work, 
and is presently at work in our lives. And that sounds kind of pretty and nice, but I think a lot of us struggle to believe that Christ's power is at work in our lives. Every day, every moment of every day, we struggle to believe that. I think some of us struggle to probably believe that some moments of some days. Essentially, if Christ is powerful, it means that his power is impacting our lives. And secondly, if his power is present in our lives, which it is, we should be submitted to it. The problem is that we don't like to submit to God's power in our lives. And this is the rub. This is where we're going to spend most of our time talking the rest of our time here this morning. We don't like to live in submission to Christ and his power because we want to be in that position of power and control in our lives. We, we substitute ourselves for God in our lives. We place our own power, our own work, our own effort, our own energy and will into our lives. We inject those things and we deny God his rule and reign in our lives. And in light of what we just talked about, doesn't that sound preposterous? In light of the fact that I just articulated for you the, the ways that we see Christ's power, doesn't that seem ridiculous that we would try and take power from that God and rule our own lives and be like, God, I got this. I got this one. Or try to inform God, hey, God, if you could just do this, this would be great. Hey, God, I'd really like it if we could just, you know, sort this out this way. Or let me tell you what I think should happen here. Isn't that preposterous? I don't know if any of you have ever had the experience of getting a Christmas present where you open up the present. You take all the wrapping paper off and you're excited about the present. You look at it and you're like, great. You pull out it out of the packaging and you go to turn it on and it doesn't work. And you're like, oh man, what's going on? And you look down at the packaging and there in very tiny letters, it says, batteries not included. Right? You know what I'm talking about? People are like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's annoying, right? It's because the, the, the toys and the, and the things that we get that were gifted sometimes, they don't have the power they need to run by themselves. And, and in much in the same way, we need Christ's power to help us function as the way we're designed to. We are designed with a need for the power of the mighty God in our lives. We need His power in our relationships. We need His power in our decision-making, in our struggles, in our day-to-day living. And activities. We need his power in all of our lives, and yet we struggle and fight him to, to give him control in our lives. What does the scripture say about Christ's power and our, our need for Christ's power? Well, if we go back to Isaiah 9, I want to show you something in this scripture that I think speaks to this. Back to Isaiah 9, verse 6, where we started out. It says this. For a child will be born to us, and a son will be given to us, that's Jesus, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, and you guys know the rest. That middle section is very interesting to me. We kind of skipped over it pretty quickly earlier, but listen to what it says. It says, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. I'm thankful that the government doesn't, it doesn't say that the government will be on your shoulders. It says it will be on his shoulders. The government, the running, the ruling of things, the, the order of things, the, the holding together of things is on Christ's shoulders. The Bible tells us that Christ is ready and able to carry the load of the world, not us. And essentially, this is your next fill in the blank. What I want you to see this morning is that Christ is the king who is able to carry the kingdom. Yet we seek to carry our own kingdom sometimes. 
a lot of the time, right? We struggle with this, and it's just so useless that we would do that. Matthew 28, verse 18 is another scripture that talks about this. Matthew 28, eight, verse 18 is right at the start of what we call the Great Commission. That's the passage where Jesus tells all his followers what they need to be doing with their lives. It's a very important scripture, but before he even gets to telling them what to do, he says something interesting. Verse 18, it says this, All authority, this is Jesus speaking, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority, not some authority, or all authority has been given to you. No, all authority has been given to me. This scripture is beautiful because it's a weight off our shoulders. It reminds us that the running and the ruling of all of life is on Jesus. It's not on us. He is the one who holds all things together. And we need to be reminded of that this morning, morning, especially in this Christmas season where we pick up all this chaos and confusion and just busyness in life. Another scripture that sums up what we're trying to say here and really gets to the crux of the issue is 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and 7. Great, great scripture. I really think that this could like sum up this whole message this morning. Read it with me. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says, um, humble yourself. I almost said humble. Uh, that's a Texas thing, right? Uh, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on him because he cares about you. I'm going to read that scripture again for you guys because I want you to get this this morning. I want you to think about the things that you're anxious about right now. The things that you're worried about right now, the things that are weighing down your heart and your, your soul right now. Think about those things and, and what this scripture says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the hand of, sorry, the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on him because he cares about you. This scripture tells us he's the mighty God. Humble yourselves to him, release control to him. And cast your care on him because he cares for you. God cares about the situations in your life. And he is more than able to handle any and all of those situations. I've seen this to be true in my own life over and over again. This, this grasping of power in my own life where I try and control things is very subtle and subversive. It happens without me really noticing it until it gets to a, you know, a breaking point. And then I'm like, ah, oh, man, I was trying to you know, insert my own power into this situation and, and not really allow God to be in control. And I saw that happen a couple of years ago. Well, I see that happen a lot of times. But one, one circumstance in, in particular that I want to tell you about is the, this situation two years ago. So I guess it was uh, probably three years ago. We were getting ready to come and plant a church in South Austin. And we've been talking with Nick about, you know, coming and planting this church in South Austin. And, you know, we really felt like that's where God was calling us to come and, and to be and to live and to do life. And so we were excited about that, but it also meant a whole bunch of implications. One of those implications was leaving the stability of our lives in Houston. And coming to South Austin to a very unstable environment and really coming as missionaries. And so we asked people to come and to join us in praying for us, but also to support us financially. We said, hey, we're expecting it's going to take us at least two years to kind of get to a a place of normalcy. So would you come alongside and not just pray for us, but also support us financially? And we basically said we need to raise this much to live for a couple of years. I'll find a part-time job to kind of help out with that, but we need to raise a lot of money. So I remember looking at that amount and being like, wow. This is like, 
a lot of money. God, how are you going to do this? You know, I trust you, but wow. And so there was this moment in our lives where we were really wrestling with this, but we knew that God was in it. So we went ahead and, you know, we sent out some letters, some emails. We met with people. We were talking with people, just letting them know what was going on and said, hey, would you support us in this way? And so about a week into the journey, you know, nothing had happened or changed. We hadn't had anything come in. And, and that first week had been okay, but that second week I started to get a little bit anxious. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like I was just like, I don't know if we're doing the right thing here. And my personality is one where I like to be in control of situations. I didn't have control, but I started to pretend that I did. I started to, you know, inject myself and my own power into the situation. I think all that I really brought into the, into the situation was more worry and anxiety than anything else. And so those next few days of that second week, as nothing really came in and nothing really chap- changed, I remember my anxiety level going up and up and up as I tried to control this situation with my own power. Well, finally, at the end of that second week, I remember I was asked to go and help with a youth retreat. And I was just the leader at this youth retreat. And I went along and they had this worship band leading out. And this band was just doing a great job of leading out in worship. And I remember in that time just finally letting go. Finally having this moment where it was really like God was coming to me and and prying my hands back off the situation. You guys know what I'm talking about? It was like God was like saying, hey, I got this. You need to let this go and let me be God in this situation. Stop trying to take my position. Stop trying to fill my job. You're never going to do a good job at that. And I remember in that time of worship, just this sweet moment where it was finally like, okay, God, I trust you, even though I don't know what's happening, even though I don't know if we're going to be able to do this, even if, though I don't know if we're going to have food on the table. Like, I trust you, God, that you're in control of this situation. Well, that very same weekend, a friend came to me and he said, hey, we got your letter. We've been praying about what's, uh, you know, how we can support you guys. And I just wanted to let you know that we're going to give a quarter of all that you're looking to raise. You could have picked me off, up off the floor at that moment because I was like, nobody's committed to anything. And the very first person who is, is going to, you know, take care of a quarter of all that I need. And it was like God in that moment coming to me and just saying, Harley, I got this. You need to stress less. Not only do you need to get your hands off this, let me show you how I provide. Let me show you how I handle these situations. When I'm God, when I'm good, when I'm in control, you need to see how, what this looks like. And I remember in that moment, it had just been such a sweet time of seeing the fact that God is the mighty God. The problem is I need to submit to God's plan and His power. And, and this, this submission thing is an ongoing one. It wasn't like that moment was the moment that I figured it out for the rest of my life. I'm good now. I got this submission thing down. No, this is a daily battle. This continues to be a struggle in my life. And I'm assuming, I'm hoping that it's the same for you guys too this morning, that this is kind of our therapy session together this morning. So how do we submit to Christ's mighty power daily? How do we win this daily battle? Well, there's a great scripture in Romans chapter 12 that I want us to focus, spend the rest of our time on this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. This is a really key text that helps us understand how we can live in submission to Christ daily. Let's read it together this morning. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Now, some of you, if you've been around church, you're like, yeah, I've heard this passage before. But let's talk about this passage. Let's look at this passage and ask this question of how do we live in submission to Christ daily? Because I think there's some great truths in this text about what that can and should look like for a believer, for a Christian. The first thing that we need to do that we see here in the text is that we need to release control. We need to release control. I want these things to be things that stick in your mind. So they all start with R. The first one is release control. We need to release control to the mighty God. We see that in the first part of the text. It says, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does this look like? This simply looks like this. Us opening our lives to God. Us opening our hearts to God and saying, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. Does that sound familiar? That's what Jesus prayed, right, before he went to the cross. Daily, we need to find ourselves in a position where we start off our day and we say, Hey, God... My day's in front of me. It's your day. Here it is. Release control to God. If we can do that daily, that's a great first step in living in submission to God's will in our lives. The second thing that we see here in the text is in verse 2. It says that we should refuse to conform. Refuse to conform. It says there in the second verse, do not be conformed (coughs) to this age. Do not be conformed to this age. Essentially what it's saying is don't let the world around you inform you on what your life should look like. If you're looking sideways all the time, if you're you know, looking to your neighbors and your friends and, and the people that are around you to inform you on how you should spend your time, your energy, your, your money, uh, what, what you should wear, what you should drive, where you should live, all of that stuff, if you're allowing the media to be the thing that informs you on all of that stuff, that's not healthy. You're not going to be living in submission to, to the mighty God if you're like wrapped up in your own little world and universe and trying to conform to something that you have in your mind. And so the scripture is very clear that we need to refuse to conform. I just put in my notes here, don't you think that the mighty God who created you has a much better idea about what your life should look like? Isn't he the one that we should be looking to to, to inform us on what life should look like? The third thing that we see here in this text, it doesn't just say, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The third thing that I would encourage you to do, I encourage myself to do daily, is to renew your mind, to be transformed by renewing our mind. Now, let's be honest here. This is the most ambiguous of the three. Like when I say we need to release control, you're all like, yeah, I need to do that. I get that. When I say we should refuse to conform, you're like, yeah, I I understand that. When I say renew your mind, that's a little more like, okay, I can do that, right? I think it sounds spiritual, like it sounds good, but what does that mean? How do we renew our minds? Well, there's three words as I was kind of praying over this and preparing. These three things are, are, I think, essential for us renewing our minds daily and reminding ourselves that He is the mighty God. The first thing that we see that is essential for renewing our minds is the gospel. The second thing that we see is community. And the third thing is mission. Now, I'll go through and explain all of these really quickly for you guys. But 
Gospel, community, and missions. These are the means by which we can renew our minds. The first thing, the gospel, what we see here is that we have to bask in the gospel daily. We need to remind ourselves of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. The story of God, we need to look at that. And this involves us just spending time reflecting on God and his goodness. Some good ways to do this is by reading his word. Another way, good way of doing this is by praying, having a relationship, having a conversation with God. And I know for some of you, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this. Others of you are like, yeah, I don't know. That kind of sounds weird and awkward. A great way to start this is by that listening guide. We've got that reading plan on the back. If you need a way to start putting God's word into your life, that's a great way to start. Praying to God is a very simple conversation. Hey, God, I need your help today. Would you help me to be the person that you called me to be? That's an easy conversation to have. You can have it out loud if you want. You could have it inside your head. But whatever it looks like, I would encourage you to renew your mind by soaking in your relationship with God. It really is kind of like, you know, taking an old light bulb out that's dead and broken and putting a new one in. When we, when we renew our mind, that's essentially what we're doing. We're taking the junk out of our lives, all the things that we're busy and distracted by, and saying, Jesus, you are most important. And that casts just such a beautiful light on our lives. The second thing that I encourage you there with is community. When I'm talking about community, I'm talking about this type of community. Not just any community, not the TV show. What I'm talking about is church community, Christian community, where we're pointing each other towards the goodness and grace of God that we find in the gospel. So this is good. You're here. You're taking a good first step in that. But also would encourage you that we have community where it can be at a deeper level in our life groups, in serving on our ministry teams, in some of the discipleship relationships that are going on here in our church. I would encourage you to seek out Christian community because that will renew your mind. As you're around other people who are exposing themselves to the gospel, they will point you towards Jesus. I believe that that will happen and your mind will be renewed. The third thing there is mission. Mission is where we realize that our lives have a purpose, that God has placed us strategically where he has placed us with our neighbors, with our co-workers, with our friends, with our family members to point them towards Christ and to realize we're in their lives to pray for them. We're in their lives to point them towards Jesus with our words and with our actions. And as we do that, as we serve others, as we love them, we will be renewed through the action of loving and serving others. So those are just some thoughts on how we can renew our minds daily is by exposing ourselves to the gospel, by living in Christian community and realizing that we're living on mission. We've talked about a lot of stuff this morning. We started with, you know, baby Jesus and thinking about how powerful he was. And here we are talking about these, you know, bullet points on living you know, a life in submission to the mighty God. My question that I need to ask you guys here this morning is, what do you need to hear today? Of all the things that we've talked about this morning, what do you need to hear? Maybe for some of you, you just need to hear that there is a God who loves you, who is powerful and can save you from yourself, can save you from your sin. Maybe you just today need to make a decision to say, God, I'm going to live in submission to you for the first time. For others of you, maybe there's specific situations and scenarios that are going on in your life where you are right now battling God for control in your life, where you're trying to inject your own power into a situation and it's just not working. And today, you need to release that control back to God and say, hey, God, 
You're the ruler of all things. The, the government of all things is on your shoulders. All authority has been given to you. I'm going to live in submission to you today. Maybe that's what you need to do today is just say, hey, God, this specific thing, I'm giving it back to you. Maybe for some of you, it's like, I just need to get in a rhythm and routine of, of living in submission to, you, to God daily. I just need to get in a routine of releasing control to God, refusing to conform and renewing my mind daily. Those are the three things that I'm going to just prayerfully do and make a pattern in my life of doing those things. Whatever it is for you today, I just, my prayer for you is that you wouldn't walk out of here being like, that was a lot of information. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would really help you discern what it is that you need to hear this morning. Christ was born as a little, little baby and he is also the mighty God. My prayer is that we would worship him and submit to him because he is that mighty God and that we would daily find ourselves in a position where we are surrendered to his will and his agenda for our lives. I think if we live like, lives like that, God can radically use us to change the world in which he's placed us. Let me pray for us.